0: Do what you can do well, provide the value that you can provide to your audience, and you'll see success.
1: Hello, UkraMedia family, Vladimir Proknevsky here, and welcome to episode number 22 of the UkraMedia podcast, where I serve our UkraMedia family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. Today's guest is Caleb Ward. Caleb is a marketing manager at School of Motion. He created well over 1,000 articles and tutorials for the motion design and filmmaking community. His work has been featured on Vimeo's blog, No Film School, Premium Beat, Shutterstock, and Rocketstock. Caleb, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Caleb, I've heard so many great things about you from so many different people. So I'm so excited to finally talk to you. I have so many questions. But before we jump into our questions, tell us how you got started in motion design and filmmaking.
0: Yeah, man. Well, so I got started in motion design probably in a very similar way that most people got started. I was in high school and I was like, you know what I really need to do? I need to create like cool lightsaber effects, (laughs) right? And so I very much took all the uh, Andrew Kramer tutorials and learned how to do all sorts of like really silly visual effects work using After Effects and really fell in love with the the software. For a while, I thought I wanted to be in the film industry. But after going to college and like getting on a few film sets, I realized that I didn't have enough patience (laughs) to work on a film set, which is very much like hurry up and wait. Right. And so that's why I was always just more drawn to post-production and so I I did that through college and I kind of made like a small name for myself just in my own little circles as like the motion design guy and the guy that like oh if you need like some effects in your video or you need some motion design work for like your you know uh, short film or something like that you can go to Caleb and he can help you and so I was able to like work on a lot of projects very early on but the The interesting thing is, over time, what I really found that I loved doing was teaching people motion design. So very early on, like even in college, I would host events where we would just let people come in and ask questions about After Effects, Premiere Pro, Photoshop, and we would answer their questions, and I really found that that was really what I loved doing. Like I loved helping inspiring artists and empowering them to create more art. And I think like over time that evolved to where I really feel like I'm able to make the world a more beautiful place by inspiring more people to create art. And so that's kind of how I got started. And then over time through blogging, I got to meet some really awesome people. I got hired on Right out of college to work at a company called Premium Beat, uh, which is a royalty free music website. And they have an incredibly active filmmaking blog. In fact, this is a crazy fact. I, I don't think a lot of people know this. Premium Beat is the most popular filmmaking resource in the entire world. Wow. Like it gets more traffic than No Film School, Pro Video Coalition, and it is a content marketing blog. For selling music like it is so interesting. And that's just I, the state in which content creation is in right now for the creative uh, world. And so I got to work there and we were putting out like 22 articles a week about filmmaking, mm-hmm. video production, motion design. We ended up getting acquired by Shutterstock. And, you know, everyone knows Shutterstock. They sell uh, royalty-free images and video. And uh, that was kind of a somewhat natural transition, I think, because, you know, we just started talking about uh, creativity uh, on their blog, Um, talking about Photoshop and video production and all sorts of things like that. And then I uh, went to work for School of Motion about 13 months ago, And it's been incredible. I've uh, had the chance to work with just some incredible motion designers around the industry. And and really, motion design and marketing is really like at the heart and soul of just everything that I do. And I, I love the motion design community every single time you get to go to a MoGraph meetup and talk with motion designers, it's like talking to best friends that you didn't realize you had. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, like motion design just breeds some incredible people. And so I love being a servant to the people of this industry. And the fact that I get to do that for my full-time job and for a company like School of Motion that is just so dedicated to helping and inspiring motion designers around the world it's just incredible so that's kind of my background i guess in in a nutshell
1: i'm curious uh, to hear how you arrived at marketing like what made you focus on marketing
0: Right. So I had always kind of been doing some marketing things, um silly stuff. So because I did After Effects and Photoshop, people would ask me like, "Hey, can you like do the logo for my, like my lawn mowing company?" or I had a few uh times where I would uh, like make videos for like my church or we would do like, I don't know, like projects for like local photographers. They'd like ask me to like help them, you know, create a logo or something like that. And really what I found is marketing, if done correctly, like and for the right purposes can be a very powerful tool for helping make the world a better place. And what I mean by that is if you are marketing a product or a service that is actually helping people and is actually value driven, it doesn't feel like yucky marketing. Like it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm tricking you into purchasing something. It feels like I am helping you find the thing that you've been looking for. And so I was always like just really drawn to that. And the fact that in this day and age, especially from like a marketing perspective, it is so easy to talk to your potential audience and get connected through channels like YouTube. You know, Euchre Media knows all about that through email, through blog posts and social media. And so I have just really been drawn to that side of things, but also really drawn to creativity and motion design. So it's been a really cool like intersection of both of those things and i have severe project add so i like just like <laughs> working on something and moving Me on too. to the next next thing yeah <laughs> i think most people do in in marketing because uh especially from content marketing world the turnaround is so quick you know like it's just all about like moving on to the next project and you know you always want the quality of the thing you're putting out to be the very best but you know it's not uncommon like i was saying at premium beat we were putting out 22 content pieces a week At School of Motion, we try to put out around four a week. And because there always just feels like there's a new project to work on, it just scratches that creative and attention deficit part of my brain and allows me just to work on a lot of different things. And so it's really fun. And it's a field that... Allows me to do things like work in Photoshop, work in Illustrator, do web design, do motion design, do video editing. And it allows me to like take all of these like general skills that I feel like I have and see them and use them every single day, you know, which is which is so cool. Because basically in marketing, especially marketing with a small company, you're not relegated to specializing because there's not enough people for you to specialize. And so you end up doing all sorts of things like, you know, everything from looking at analytics to designing infographics, you know. And so it's it's just a really like it's a fun field to be in. And I am just like feel super blessed to have had the opportunities to be in that capacity for the motion design industry.
1: I think it's interesting how it seems like everyone I talk to. Uh, all the motion graphics people, they all have like these crazy ways how they arrived to this industry. Like some, I think even Joey was like a voiceover artist for quite some time, right? <laughs> yeah, he was like yeah. in a band and it's so cool and fascinating to see how people arrive, like their jobs evolve to other things. So I don't know, is, is uh, marketing your last destination? Do you think you'll be moving on to other things as well in your future?
0: Yeah, I I really like marketing. And I think like one of the ways in which I'm able to like put so much like passion into my work is because like I don't have this like master long range plan for like what I'm going to do in 10 years. Like my career has been like very organic. You know, I haven't like really tried to like force any one thing. It's just been and I was talking to my wife about this yesterday. You know, I started writing blog posts because I noticed that in filmmaking like there was a lot of terms that I didn't understand and I would go online and I really wouldn't find the answer so I was like well this needs to exist and so I just started writing and people saw that and offered me opportunities to write more. And then like, while I was writing there, they were like, hey, um, you know, we have this like social media channel, do you wanna do that? And I was like, yeah, that sounds really interesting and fun. And then they'll be like, hey, we have this Vimeo channel that we like curate playlists or uh, demo reels. Do you want to curate this? And I'll be like, yeah, you know, that sounds fine. And so I feel like I found a lot more happiness in not trying to force something that's just not working. Like a lot of just these passions and side projects that I've had because I've just done them repeatedly and and hopefully done them well, people notice and opportunities just kind of naturally have come up. And, you know, that's not to say that like... There's not a certain amount of like hard work and dedication and long nights that go into being successful in any field, but i've just personally found that like through just like doing what i 'm passionate about and what I enjoy doing there's just been some really cool opportunities that i've been able to like uh, find myself in and with that being said, you know, I love doing motion design and I also love marketing and it's really like it's hard to think of any Other opportunity besides like getting to do marketing for School of Motion that would even sound appealing because like I get to, you know, manage like an incredible blog and tutorial network and work with incredible motion design artists and talk to them. And it's just an incredible opportunity. And I, I just like really do not have any desire to to go anywhere else.
1: <laughs> I don't blame you. It sounds like you live in the dream. And you know, marketing, if you think about it, all of the other areas, you can, once you learn everything, it's kind of like it becomes boring. But marketing, man, it's one of those things that's constantly changing. I mean, just look at Facebook marketing. I mean, everything is changing so much. I feel like you'll, you'll never get tired of marketing. You'll always be doing some stuff. Now, I'm curious to find out, a quality versus quantity, for example. Like, Sergey mm. with UkraMedia, we're not posting as many tutorials because Sergey always wants quick-to-the-point quality kind of stuff. But mm. then you see you're watching your uh, other people on YouTube. They're, like, just shipping content left and right every day. It's not right. as quality, but they get more subscribers. It feels like it. What's your take on that? Should you take quality over quantity or quantity over quality or just right. a little bit of
0: both? Right, right, right. I mean... The short answer is a little bit of both, but there's like a lot more information to like digest in that. So uh, if we take like YouTube, for example, YouTube gives... SEO juice basically to people that post consistent content right and that consistency there's not a, a specific number that you have to get to one a week is like a fantastic number but they reward people that post consistently but they also reward people that have retention and that means basically people are starting your video and they are watching your video through the end and they also reward people that have video or if we're talking about Google and blog content if they do a specific search for something, find their answer and they go to your website and then they don't need to go back and go to another website. They reward you for that because basically you've been the solution to their question or their problem or whatever. And so there needs to be quality there. And really like in this day and age, because there is so much quantity, like the biggest way in which you can differentiate yourself, especially if you're really good at motion design, um, is through creating high quality tutorials because there are so many bad ones out there. But at the same time, you need to be consistent. You can't expect to have fans that come back to your website or to your channel if you are not consistently posting stuff. But, you know, there's there's a lot to be said about people that are putting out like three pieces of content a week and have like over one hundred and fifty thousand subscribers like like that's really cool and, you know, good for them and to each their own. I find it's very exhausting to try to put out more quantity rather than quality And I've seen in the past that whenever you focus on quantity, people can tell and it doesn't build brand authority or loyalty to you personally. So if we if we like put ourselves in the position of, let's say, like a motion designer that wants to get into creating tutorials, if you tried to just put out as many tutorials as possible, like you're going to have to compromise in some way. And it's probably going to be through the research that you've been able to put into your tutorial, or maybe it's the graphic design that you've put in for your like, let's say it's After Effects compositions. Um, You're going to have to compromise in some way. And whenever you compromise, basically you're saying this expression, this thing that I wanted to put out there is not 100% what I envisioned it to be. And and when that happens, you can end up, if you do that over time, just creating a brand and a product and a content stream that is just not reflective of who you are or who your brand is personally. And so... Yeah, you have to keep that stuff in check. And so, especially at School of Motion, like we, we go back and forth because like we could scale up our contributor network a lot and we could end up putting out 20 content pieces a week. But we would see diminishing returns because, number one, the quality would go down. We would have to compromise in quality. And two we still have a finite number of people in our industry, right? Like there's not like infinity motion designers out there. And so we really have planted our flag in quality. Like every time we put something out, we want it to be the very best of that thing that exists in the world. And people like really appreciate us for that. And as far as quantity goes, we've been able to do other things, like just curate our social media channels with like really cool motion design pieces from around the internet, you know, sharing other people's stuff. And so, you know, when other other people are creating awesome things, we don't necessarily have to go in and then create that thing, right? Like Motionographer curates a killer gallery of great motion design content. So like we don't need to necessarily do that. We can just point people to those specific motionographer pieces and focus on what we can do well and the unique place that we have in our industry. And so, yeah, it's definitely like a balancing act. And Rand Fishkin, he's a marketer out of Seattle, super super smart guy. He talks about how a lot of people think of this idea of minimum viable products, and basically that means put out the fastest and and most um effective piece of content in as short amount of time as possible. But he talks about having a minimum effective piece of content. So like thinking about what is the most effective thing that I can put out and how quickly can I get to that most effective thing? You know, because like it wouldn't make a lot of sense for School of Motion to spend three weeks on a tutorial about the loop expression in After Effects, right? Like, Like that's interesting, but there is not the number of people out there to justify spending that much time on something so specific. And so you really just have to judge and use all sorts of, you know, analytic tools to figure out what are these things that we can do well and how much time should we spend? And a lot of it like goes back to empathy. Like the reason why the people listening to your podcast would probably be pretty successful at creating content is because they empathize with motion designers because they are motion designers, right? That has been an incredible, tool, I think for me, because I don't view myself as a marketer first. I view myself as a motion designer that uses marketing to serve other motion designers. And that allows me to create content that I feel like is more valuable than people that work at like a content farm that just, well, they'll write about After Effects, but they have no context for understanding the problems that motion designers have in After Effects. Right. You know, like they don't understand why it's frustrating that sometimes whenever you pre-compose a Sequence of layers and you hit the continuous rasterize button, like why the 3D is off sometimes like they don't they don't have any context for understanding why that's a problem. And I think that allows us to create some like really unique and helpful content that really empathizes with our audience. And so I guess. In a very long winded way, if I had to like give any advice to someone who was going to like go out and like create their own content or, uh, you know, start up their own YouTube channel, like make things that you are interested in. And inevitably, there are other people out there that are interested in that same thing. It just takes time for you to find your voice, especially doing videos and blogs. In fact, like the magic number that I've seen is 14. It takes 14 videos or 14 blog posts for you to really get into that element and really like find who you are. And that number is pretty, I guess, arbitrary, but from just various brands that I've analyzed in the motion design space, that's like the magic number. So, so commit to doing 14 tutorials or 14 content pieces before you decide whether or not you, you want to in or out. <laughs>
1: Man, it's so true. And, you know, it's kind of like that the whole the gas station competing with each other, you know, who's like a penny cheaper, you know? And I feel like the same thing happens to YouTubers. They're like, oh, so-and-so is putting out so much more. I need to turn it up. I need to put out so much more. But I think for us, we want to go back to the quality versus quantity, mm-hmm. you know? It's so much more important. Now, I'm curious to, to see if you guys experimented with YouTube Live. Uh, what is? Have you had any success with that?
0: Yeah, we haven't done YouTube Live. The main reason is we, I guess we view YouTube live in a very similar way to like webinars. And we've done those in the past and we put in like a lot of work into them. And, you know, like on a good day, like maybe 75 people are like streaming at any one time. And that's not to say that these things like aren't helpful. Like I think it's a great way to like connect with your audience and to like have that back and forth feedback that makes the online community feel like connected in that way. But just because of the amount of work that goes into it compared to like creating content pieces on school motion or creating video tutorials, we just like haven't done that. But like honestly, uh, Grayscale Gorilla does stuff like that and they do a really good job. And you know, as our team grows, that might be something that we look into. I'm curious, do you guys do YouTube
1: live? Yeah, we just recently started and you know the response's been great. I mean, granted one time we did it during a World Cup game. That was not that was not good. There was only like forty something people on at the same time but usually you get between 60 70 sometimes even more people on at the same time. And I love the community part of it because people get to talk to each other, they get to ask questions to get. And Sergey actually he told me that he does better live than he does for example like he will he will try to record a tutorial and it will take him so many tries to to get it right, but when you just hit record and you have no choice but to go live, he says that he does performance better. So we're trying to experiment with that because we can put out a lot more content. Instead of having to wait on Sergey to constantly redo <laughs> tutorials, so that's something that's something we're experimenting. Another thing is, I'm curious to hear your take on it, and I think I know what you're gonna say, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. I, we've had several people approach us with sponsorship, and mm. you know, I've always heard people say, "Look, it's it's dirtying up the brand." I'm curious to hear your take on it. How? Well, obviously, I don't he, I don't see School of Motion promoting or having any sponsors. I may be wrong. But what's yeah. your take what's you take on it like let's say if Artlist came came around and they said hey we'll pay you guys for some some spots <laughs> is it something that that uh, we should consider is it something that you think it would hurt the brand in the long term
0: Right, right, right. So for School of Motion, we we don't need sponsorships, mainly because like we're a business, we sell something and we don't need to muddy up our, our brand recognition with sponsorships. That being said, we do partner with a lot of brands. And I think one of the cool things is because we are able to basically curate who we partner with and we're able to be very selective about, you know, let's say like the plugins that we feature on our YouTube channel or the products that we talk about on our blog. If you see something on our blog or our YouTube channel, it's not because we were sponsored to put it there. It's because we actually believe in it. And, and that is actually the big thing that you have to think about whenever you're taking on sponsors onto your website, because, you know, um, I should not mention any names of specific people, but let's say a stock site came to you and they don't have very good stock elements but they have a lot of money and they want to give you $5000 per video to talk about them on your channel like you have to as someone who is paying the bills make certain decisions and and I think the best thing to do would be to really analyze a brand when they approach you to do sponsorships and decide if there's a way in which you can find the value and explain that to your audience and if it's not a valuable tool to your audience, it's going to hurt your brand long term. But but that being said, sponsorships are not necessarily a bad thing. They're a much better way to make money than monetizing a YouTube channel. If you monetize a YouTube channel, like you you will never be able to pay the bills like never. Uh, I mean, I don't even know if PewDiePie could like pay the bills like with monetizing his YouTube channel. Um, But if you do sponsorships, that's where real money is at. And there are a lot of brands that want to sponsor people. If you just reach out to them and say like, "Hey, like, do you do any sponsorships? I have this this channel, and obviously, like, you have to have an an audience. Like, no one's going to sponsor your channel if you have like 150 subscribers and like you know a couple hundred views per video. Like, you need. To be in the thousands of subscribers, but you don't necessarily have to be like as big as like Film Riot or Video Copilot to find decent sponsors. At PremiumBeat, we teamed up with a lot of people that were kind of in their, I'd say, YouTube infancy, like in the 5,000 to 10,000 subscriber range. And a lot of these people have gone on and through sponsorships, empowered them to have the finances to do what really what they were hoping to do with their channel. And they've grown and they're, you know, doing a really, really great job now. And so, yeah, I'm not opposed to sponsorships, just always like, ask yourself, is this something that helps to promote my brand? Like, does this complement who I am trying to brand myself as to my audience or does it harm it? Um, because it, it, like if hotels.com contacted you and asked you as a motion designer to like sponsor your YouTube channel, like it doesn't make any sense, right? Like it's just like kind of out of left field. But if like AE scripts approaches you like makes a ton of sense and like that would be like a great uh, sponsorship And, and that's just like that's a question that like you always just have to ask yourself, and it's probably very similar to people that take on venture capital money versus self-funding themselves for their business. It's like, you know, the money is nice and it can empower you to do certain things. But if you're losing yourself in the process, what, why did you even do that? You know?
1: Right. And you attach yourself to somebody else and then, yeah, it becomes a bigger problem, especially for us. Like, yeah, it's nice, especially if you're just now starting, it's nice to have that extra cash and perhaps partner up with somebody but at the same time you have to play the long game is it what is it doing to me long term and that's something that's why we've been so cautious about it like okay Mm. short term we benefit long term uh, some some questions there you know now i'm I'm curious you had an opportunity to manage quite a few blogs websites over the last couple of years in the motion design education now what are some trends that you found over the years
0: Yeah. 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 Well, the trends are you see the exact same people writing and creating content over and over again. Like (laughs) it feels like this world has just like thousands of people. But, you know, going back to that 14 mark, like the number of people that have actually created over 14 content pieces, whether it's like video tutorials or blog posts or like free downloads, like whatever it is is actually pretty slim, right? Like (laughs) there's a reason why you hear about like Euchre Media and School of Motion and Workbench and Mount MoGraph and Evan Abrams and Mikey Borup like over and over again. It's because they like, they put out consistent stuff and they are just like faces in this industry. And so like, I think the trends like that I've seen is like, while it feels like things are moving like so quickly and like always changing, they're really not. If you just take a look at like very traditional, like marketing wisdom in our industry, you know, it has worked for the last decade and it it will continue to work. And that's, it's just because like, people will always want to be educated about something. People need to have their hand held and guided through this confusing world of motion design and creativity. And there will always be a need for people to empathize with those who aren't experts yet. And that's a huge thing. I think a lot of people lose themselves. Like a lot of people, they get really good at motion design. And at a certain point, they kind of forget what they learned to get them to where they're at because it's just intuitive to them, right? They don't even have to think about setting keyframes and going into the graph editor and After Effects. But to someone who's new at that, like, man, that's like really confusing. And so what we like to do is like really just think about what are the things that we needed to know whenever we were new to motion design. And we really tried to like help people out in that space. And it's it results in like some people like being like really awesome fans of the stuff that we do. But at the same time, like we are very and I say we being School of Motion, like we are very committed to helping people go from being that beginner to being like in their practicing jobs in their field. And so that's been like a really cool thing to see is like people start out like not knowing anything about motion design, come to School of Motion and through like our blog content, then end up purchasing like a course. And this course, like every bootcamp at School of Motion, is like actually life changing, and it empowers them and gives them the drive to like go out and like try to get their dream job. And like, there's a guy that we interviewed this last week. His name's Christian. I actually, met him in person recently, and he just like landed his dream job as a motion designer at Blizzard. And he really attributes School Motion boot camps to helping him get there. And so, yeah, like as far as like trends go <laughs> no i want to on a bit of a tangent there but as far as trends go like i think i've just like really seen that like the traditional like content marketing model works so well in our space and i think you know there will always be like a new social media thing to like get behind but if you just look at data it's easy to to know that there are certain channels that are just like way more valuable to you as a motion designer and as a brand, like there's a reason why like we don't have a gigantic presence on like Behance. And then it's because like, while Behance is a great tool, there's not a huge quantity of people on there. And so like, that's just not the right social media platform for us to be on. You know, YouTube is like our favorite social media platform. And behind that is Facebook. And because just more people are there, we are are there. And so like, I think the nice thing is like, If you're creating good stuff, you don't have to be like super tricky about the way that you get people to your website. You don't have to like, you know, be on the cutting edge and like be the best Vine video creator in the world. Like you can just create good stuff that you're passionate about and like people will reward you. And the good thing is like there are search engines out there that are actually wanting to help and assist people that are creating really great stuff. If you just follow like very traditional like SEO uh, techniques.
1: <laughs> you know, it's interesting because like lately we've been putting out a lot of uh, expressions, very complicated stuff. Mm-hmm. And we've seen kind of like, you know, some people are tuning out because it's too complicated. So, and I see these channels that are putting out like really simple, easy stuff and they're growing so fast. So it is interesting. So I guess you can get too complex to where you can, in a way, turn people off. What, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So The truth is there will always be more people that are interested in learning a craft than practicing that craft, right? Like there will always be people that want to learn how to be a great photographer versus the number of photographers that are out there in the world. And uh, thinking about whether it's motion design or video production or whatever, you really just have to remember that and how, you know, the average person that calls themselves a motion designer has probably not worked on more than five freelance projects in their entire career up to this point. And they're probably more of part-time motion designer than they are full time. And so like, we have always just like really tried to communicate very complex things as if we were communicating them to someone that almost knows nothing about motion design. And that's always like reassuring, like even if you are super experienced in motion design, it's kind of refreshing to have things like brought up in a new way. And so, like going back to like the loop expression, like we created a tu- a tutorial back in October. and we didn't assume anything. Like we didn't assume like anyone knew what what an expression was, and we talked about, you know, what the loop expression is and modifiers. And we use charts and graphs to like explain how it works. And we had like a blog post that was like really fascinating and really helpful. And I think because we didn't assume that everyone was an expert, we were really able to be successful in that content piece. And then now like if you search loop expression in after effects, I'm pretty sure it's the first thing that pops up. And, and so like school of motions always just been like really committed to like clarity. Um, because there's there it's easy especially like whenever you get start getting technically sound to want to overcomplicate the things that you say you know and to like talk about the the output modules in in after effects and why like nonlinear editors are like superior and like you can like start throwing around these like complex terms without like actually empathizing with your audience and knowing that like hey, they're just like confused and they want someone that's going to speak to them and like be a friend <laughs> and not overly complicate things. So so yeah, I mean, honestly, like I, I don't know like the specific metrics for Ukra Media, but I would imagine the stuff that tends to appeal to people who are a little newer to After Effects probably gets more views than the stuff that's just like highly complex. But that being said, if you do things that are highly complex, and if you're really good at explaining them, that's a great way to make some really good friends and really good fans. I think it's Seth Godin talks about how like, it's much better to have a 1000 people who are just raving fans of your work than 10,000 people that are like, "Eh, okay, that was all right. Because those 1000 people are just going to exponentially tell their friends. And over time, you'll be able to just grow that 1000 people into 10s of 1000s of people. So So, yeah, um, I I guess, like, just don't forget about the little guy. Right, right. No,
1: it's so true. And you're right. You do attract more quality people that are like the 10th percentile of the motion graphics world, you know, but at the same time, you're right. I guess you, in a way, have to kind of dumb down your content a little bit for the beginners and then slowly bring them up to speed with the the complicated stuff. Now, I'm curious to find out about your what's what's uh, what's your take on email marketing? Is it still is it still alive and kicking?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Email marketing is an invaluable tool.
1: What's a good open rate for email marketing? You it good <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so hard to tell. I mean, it, it the the biggest th- indicator of your email open rate is going to be how you captured people with the GDPR thing that came out recently. Like you have to be a lot more secure about how you acquire emails. And so inevitably open rates are going to increase, but dude, it just depends on your brand. I've worked with some brands that they'll put out emails that get like 30% open rates and other brands that get like 5%. It just depends on how loyal your fans are and how you acquired them on your website. Because like, if you acquired them by like offering something free, and then like that was it, and you never gave them anything else that was a value, like you're probably not gonna have a very high open rate. If people can't remember how they signed up for your email list, you're probably not going to have a very high open rate. But if they went out of their way to sign up for your email list because you are giving them some sort of service in return, like you're probably going to see pretty high open rate. And there are some people, it kind of goes back to that quality over quantity thing. Like there's some people that would rather have 100,000 people but have a 1% open rate versus 10,000 people with a 10% open rate. And a lot of times they do that because it's easier to say, like whenever you're going out and looking for sponsors for your email, to say like, I have 100,000 people on on my email versus 10,000. But if you're a private brand, like don't focus on like having like the largest email list, focus on having a quality email list, but focus on building that email list because like email is the most powerful tool to an online marketer right now. Social media presence is great, but it is not as important as having a killer email list, which you know, it, it's weird because like a lot of people hate email, but the reality is the first thing that people do when they wake up in the morning is check their email. The first thing they do when they get to their office is they check their email. The thing I'm they do every that.
1: yeah, I do that all, yeah. every morning.
0: <laughs> and so, like for as much flack as people give email, it's like it's it's almost like Facebook. Like people need it in their lives. Like I don't even know if they would know how to like function every day if they weren't like. <laughs> going through that habit of like opening emails and stuff. So it's, it's important, man. It's, it's super important. And the rate just really depends on, uh, who your brand is and how you acquired the people.
1: Now, a quick question about uh, social media, especially Facebook ads and Instagram ads. I know Facebook changed a bunch of stuff. So now it's becoming more of a pay to play kind of platform. And that's something we've seen lately with the post, like dramatically, just to reach is organic reach is dropping big time. So, what's your take on that? Like, is is it important to invest in Facebook ads? If so, you know, how much to start out with? Any tips, advice you can give us would be great.
0: Yeah. 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 So, it depends on your product, right? If you have a product that can be an impulse buy, having a strong social media presence and then like spending quite a bit on social media ads is like very important because, you know, if you're able to find new people and get them to your site and get them like to, to purchase something immediately, like that's great. The problem is the quality of traffic from social media is a lot worse than the quality of traffic from, from Google, from YouTube, from email. Mm -hmm. And so you always have to take that into account whenever you are building up your audience. And so honestly, honestly, Facebook is one of these things that is valuable organically, like whenever you are trying to appeal to your fans, like the people that see your page a lot. But if you don't have that trust built up with your audience, and like if you have a product that is hundreds of dollars, and you need people to have a lot of trust in your brand before they buy your product, it is not as valuable to spend a lot on Facebook compared to, you know, organic search marketing or emails and like doing like a really good job at like creating that, that like marketing funnel and getting people into your, your fold there. So as far as School of Motion, like we do a little bit of paid Facebook advertising, but I mean, honestly across every brand that I've ever worked with, social media advertising really is just not as powerful. And so you just like, you always want to think about your brand as like a bucket, you know, especially when you're a small brand and you only have like a finite number of resources. Like, let's say you like put a dollar in a bucket and then you take a dollar out. That would be fine. It's not really worth your time, but you know, it's fine. Social media, I would say would be this thing where you can like put a dollar in and you get like a dollar 50 out. Like okay, that's great. But like, it's only like 50 cents, only like a small return on investment, but like things like content marketing and like being, having a killer email list and like really like serving your community. And um, I'm sure like doing like these YouTube live things, your time is money. And so like, let's say you're putting a dollar worth of your time into the bucket, like the return is probably more like $10 from a business standpoint. And so we've just always had that. If School of Motion was one of these companies that had like 100 people on staff, like paid social marketing would absolutely be something that we'd be interested in and and interested in doing a lot more of. But as of right now, you know, it's just it's one of those things. My time and the time of our contributor team is just so much better spent doing value-based marketing instead of proposition based marketing right like so instead of like getting our products in front of people like we create things that are of value to get people to our website right so I like,
1: I like that model it's, honestly we haven't played around with social media much except I tried like a thirty dollars coupon that they offered and it, it didn't do well at all and that's what I was like you know should I invest hundreds of dollars into this or should I just continue going to the basics and just providing good valuable content via email and so and just sharing it through social media posts. It's kind of what we're defaulting to. Now, I want to ask you about the IGTV, the Instagram stuff. The Instagram TV that just recently came out, is it something that you think will take off? What's your thought on that?
0: No, no clue at all. Really? <laughs> the, funny, the funny thing is I um, School of Motion actually is not on Instagram. Instagram's like a great tool for motion designers. But we just have found like the amount, kind of going back to like exactly what we we're just talking about, the amount of work that we have to put into that channel for the return. And when I say return, I mean like people coming to our website is just too much um, for us right now. And so I, yeah, I honestly like I don't have like a super strong opinion one way or the other. I do know that like it can be easy to focus on like the latest and greatest social media trends. But the reality is Google is the most trafficked website in the world. And behind that, YouTube is the second most popular search engine in the world. And so it's like, yeah, you can go to like all these crazy new things and like be the person that kicks off motion design in that industry. And maybe you'll get like a few thousand subscribers and like grow that way. But there's already an audience that's craving great motion design content, great, great content of any kind. And there are formulas out there that you can follow to be successful. You just like got to do it. And so instead of focusing too heavily, like on the latest and greatest, because like the thing is, like, Instagram, which is Facebook, they want you to be talking about the latest and greatest Facebook thing. And, and the reason why they want you to get so excited about it is because they're a public company and they want their stock to go up, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that this thing is going to take off, that it's going to be successful and be like this revolutionary thing. As a marketer, like, Yes, there is some value to being ahead of the game, but there's a lot more valuable to like just being like faithful to your audience with the tools and the resources and the channels that they are already present on because that's hard. Like it's hard to do the day in and day out work that it takes to help your audience, but it's not as difficult to like use this like new tool and like share out like the old stuff that you don't use anymore. You know, there's like a novelty factor there that is really interesting. But I, I found that doing the boring things like writing the blog post or prepping the tutorials and doing like research and like reading like Adobe white papers to like better explain things to people has way more return. And that's because it's just like it's not as sexy, but people are interested in it, right? And so. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a long, that's my, that's
1: my key takeaway from you because we've been spending a lot of time on social media stuff when in reality we only have like a handful of blogs. Like we haven't written much for our website at all and it's pretty empty. Now most of our traffic comes from YouTube. So we Mm -hmm. definitely, I feel like if there is an area to improve. And, you know, you've written over a thousand of content on the Internet. I mean, everywhere I go, Caleb Ward is everywhere. So I think if there's anything that I take away from this interview, I think we're going to definitely concentrate more on blogging. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I'm going to do, man. So thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Now I want to ask one more question from somebody from our in our community. His name is Chris Hunter, and he's from our private Facebook group. He wants to know... What are the three most important steps a small brand can take to improve their marketing and communication?
0: Right. Small brand. Okay. To improve their marketing and communication. All right. So three steps. I'd say the first is figure out the thing that you are good at, like the value that you bring to your customers and figure out how you can use content marketing, you know, physically creating things. So whether it's a podcast or a blog post or a video, um, figure out how you can serve the community by creating things that your target demographic is interested in. And so let's, let's create a fictional brand, like off the top of our heads here. So let's, um, let's say like an ice cream company, right? Like if you're an ice cream company, the way in which you can appeal to your target demographic is by providing them with a value and a service that complements the reason why they would be purchasing your product. So that would be probably like branding yourself as someone who as a company that creates like an environment, right? Like people go to ice cream, like, yes, because they like want some wicked awesome ice cream, but it's usually like a social thing. And so the thing that you're giving people is more an experience. And so think about how like you can craft that experience to people and give them a unique experience in a way that other people like would not be able to do. And so like, Step one, figure out your value, figure out the the industry that you're actually in, right? Like School of Motion is not just in the like education world, we're in the dream creation world, right? We help people to achieve their dreams and that is our value to the industry. It's not just motion design education, right? Same thing with Euker Media, like you guys aren't just in the tutorial world, you are in the, the clarity world, you bring clarity to complex things that people are interested in learning. And, and so every brand has that, like, think about the actual industry that you're in, like your industry is not selling the product that you sell, it's something entirely different. So think about that Number two would be go online and read and don't focus on the tricks. Like there's lots of like people that are like really interested in like growth hacking, which is like basically the idea that you can do like certain things like have like an email sign up box that says a certain thing that will like increase like your conversion rate by like 30%. The reality is that creates some really poor Quality traffic and customers to your website. Um, Not customers. They're never going to be customers. They're just going to be poor quality traffic. And so, don't try to trick the system. If you are tricking the system through a marketing effort, you are not doing a good job at marketing. Because great marketing. I've heard it put this way. Like marketing in the future, there will be no difference between content marketing and marketing. Like it'll be the same thing. It's because people are so captivated by brands that add value that reinforce their identity in the world. And so just always think about the value that you can give to your audience. And over time, like Google has always traditionally hurt brands that try to use growth hacking to grow. So if you think about people that did link stuffing back in the day, um, where like, basically, they would like pay these like sketchy websites to like put thousands of links to their yeah, website. Backlinks and all that, yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly. And keyword stuffing, like all these things. Like if you go to like, oh man, used car websites are the worst. They like <laughs> keyword stuff so bad. And what they don't know is that actually, like Google sees that, it's smarter than that, and it penalizes you for doing that. And that algorithm is always constantly being updated. Um, and people are getting smart. And so like, yeah, you may be able to like, let's say grow your list or grow your traffic by, you know, a thousand percent month over month, but that is not going to help you out in the long run. Like what will help you out better in the long run is just creating a great service and providing so much value to your industry. And then I think one of the the ways in which I've always viewed myself, and I think it, other people would probably benefit from like taking this mindset is like, think of yourself as a servant to your audience, right? Like you are here to help them navigate their life in some way. And so it doesn't have to be this epic way. Like you're not like trying to like fix every aspect of their life, but the product that you have does help them in some way. And so think about how you can better you know, serve people like in that, you know, and like if you're an ice cream company, maybe it's through like hosting family nights or something like that, you know, or having like a petting zoo. I don't know. Like, There's all sorts of like things that could be a value that help reinforce your brand. And I guess I need like a third tip here. Let's think here. The third tip is don't spend too much time on Twitter because it's not worth it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it, man. (laughs) And the next question is from the guy that I can't pronounce his last name. It's Y-E space, S-E space. I'm not even going to attempt his last name. But anyway, he said, thoughts about cross-channel marketing, how small companies and entrepreneurs can make accurate selection from their brand or business idea. Not sure what it it means, but I guess more of cross-channel marketing What are your thoughts on that? Or maybe collaboration and uh, all that good stuff.
0: Right, right, right. So, okay, multiple things. The first thing is, and this kind of goes back to something that uh, we talk a lot about on School of Motion and you see like these trends online, people are not as loyal to your brand as you think they are right? Like people, yes, you have loyal followers, no matter who you are. But the reality is like, people are not like sitting around late at night, like, hmm, I wonder what it what uh, the Media guys are up to, like, usually they come to like the Media YouTube channel, because they like see a ping on YouTube that says like, hey, you know, they put out a new tutorial, or it's like a recommended video or, or something like that. And so cross branded content, like partnerships, let's say like you are a motion designer, and you wanted to partner up with someone else that was creating, you know, they had like a filmmaking channel and like, you know, you felt like you would blend well. Well, the reality is in order for that to be successful, there's a lot of coordination that needs to happen and that's going to take time. There's a lot of assumptions about people being so loyal to your brand that they're going to want to go see what you're up to and they're going to go over to the other channel and see what they're up to and like follow you people don't really work like that online. Like people are very sporadic in their search habits and in their consumption. And so if you're thinking about doing like cross partnerships, it can be beneficial. But with the same amount of time, like going back to that bucket theory, like your time is money. And so like for every minute that you spend working on a cross promoted channel, big marketing push, your time is probably better spent creating original content on your brand and then focusing on the algorithms on YouTube, on Google, um, and even on Facebook to benefit your channel in the long run and reach new people. Because I found that that is like a really fast way to grow a brand and sponsorships like they're okay from a marketing perspective but they um they usually are very hard to track and that's the other thing like you can do like uh UTM tags on URLs to like get people i we are talking about some nerdy stuff here by the way <laughs> like I, I apologize no worries um, man but uh you can track some link clicks with sponsorships but it is actually like pretty hard to track that traffic to your website and to your brand. But it is much easier to track things like, uh, you know, YouTube, your original YouTube videos that like link back to a page on your website um, because you can put a bitly there and you can see the number of people that like clicked it, right? There are so many like other techniques that you can use. And I just have always found that it's way more powerful to uh, do marketing efforts that are trackable because you can be reactionary. So you can like analyze things, see how well they're doing, and then, you know, do more of that in the future, do less of that in the future compared to like, let's say like School Motion, like decided to put up a billboard out here in Los Angeles. Like we would never know how successful that billboard was. The same can be true uh, for sponsorships. Like you might be able to see, like if you were only sponsoring like one channel and doing cross-channel content like that, you might be able to see a slight increase in your traffic and your sales. And like, if that was the case, like that's awesome, but it takes quite a bit of work to set up proper tracking for that. And so just be always mindful of your time. I think like people, they want to be the next, let's say like Ryan Connolly or Andrew Kramer and like really like have this like epic brand of people that are super loyal to themselves. But the reality is like for day to day uh, marketers, like that's just not, going to happen overnight. Like it takes a long time to get there. And so do what you can do well, provide the value that you can provide to your audience and you'll see success.
1: Man, that's great advice. And you know what? I'm realizing I'm holding you over big time. So I better wrap this up. We should have you again because I had so many more questions, but man, I'm going to stop right here with the last question. And this one is, what are you most excited about today?
0: What am I most excited about today? Oh man, so many things. I am most excited about, okay, so by the time this podcast goes out, this content piece is probably going to be out. Um, Oh man, I'm so excited to explain it. So (laughs) um, we, do you know that like YouTube series called Worth It on YouTube? It's like uh, basically these guys, they like go out and they'll try like different foods at like different price points. So it'll be like a hot dog and they'll try like a $2 hot dog, like a $20 hot dog and like a $200 hot dog and they'll like decide which one's the most worth it. Yeah. I've seen,
1: I've seen one of those. Yes.
0: Okay. So it's a fun concept with food, but we had the idea at school motion the other day, like what if we did the same thing for motion design? And so we hired a motion designer on Fiverr for $7 On Upwork for $150, and then we hired like a legit freelancer for $1,000 to create an intro for a fictitious ice cream brand that's trying to get on YouTube. And so we are going to compare and contrast the submissions that were sent to us and. I guess like uh, maybe in like the, some sort of link like from this podcast, you can link over to that content piece. Definitely, but I'll
1: include it in the show notes. Wow, man, I'm excited I've, to see
0: this. It's really interesting. And one of the biggest takeaways is just how important it is for you as a motion designer and creative professional to think of yourself in the service industry rather than just creating an in-product, right? Like, yes, you are creating a motion design piece to be effective, but the reason, the, the reason why some people are $600 a day and other people are $7 a project has a lot more to do with branding and the thought process and the chauffeur service that they are able to provide to the customer than just simply the competency. And so I'm super excited to put that content piece out. I'm I'm writing it up today and uh, it should be out within the next couple of days.
1: I'm excited to see it. I'll definitely link it in the show notes for those of you who are. And this episode will be going out next week, by the way. So it's pretty soon.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Uh, So if you're hearing this on the week of July 4th, then School Motion is having their summer registration right now. And so uh, if you've ever wanted to take a School Motion bootcamp, especially I really recommend um, if people are listening to this, they probably are like interested in motion design in some way. Animation bootcamp is a really fantastic resource. Uh, Everyone that goes through that bootcamp say that it's absolutely life changing and it really helps to get rid of a lot of bad habits that you learn uh, over time. So like if you're like, me and like you like grew in your motion design knowledge based on like crazy like vfx tutorials online but like when you actually sat down to work with an actual client you're like oh like i you don't need a lightsaber like i don't know what to do now animation boot camp is just like really like a helpful tool but all honestly like all of the boot camps are so helpful at school motion so yeah i would uh definitely encourage people to go uh, check that out because registration closes on friday july the 6th so
1: and I'll second that, you know, everything School of Motion puts out, it's quality. I mean, if I if I had to describe School of Motion in one word, it would be quality. I mean, everything you guys do is just super. It's amazing. And we have people in our community who are taking your courses. And Sergey and I are your biggest fans. We love School of Motion. We're all about School of Motion. Thank you so much. And, and uh, last question, how can people get in touch with you?
0: Yeah. So the easiest way would be to check out my personal website. Um, I have a website called VFX.city. So VFX.city. And you can email me there. Um, I put up personal tutorials every now and then. Um, But obviously, like I'm around School in Motion. Uh, I put out regular blog posts and tutorials very frequently. And so if honestly, if you're talking to School of Motion on any of our social channels, there's a good chance that you're actually talking to me. So uh, hello in advance. Um, (laughs) So uh, yeah, go check out all School of Motion stuff. We Mm -hmm would love to talk to more people in the motion design field. And if if personally you ever have any questions about marketing or navigating the motion design world, I personally would love to help you out. And then also the team at School of Motion, everyone from our TAs and contributors to our on-staff employees um, are just the most kind people ever. So please don't hesitate to ask us any questions at all.
1: All right, Caleb. Well, thank you for your first ever podcast, man. I'm excited for that. Thank you so much, <laughs> brother.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: All right. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Caleb Ward. Make sure to check out schoolofmotion.com for their summer sessions. Open enrollment ends this Friday, July 6th at 11 p.m. Eastern, so don't miss out. Go to schoolofmotion.com for more details. Our expressions course is now live. You can find it at ukramedia.com slash expressions. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode are also available on our website at euchromedia.com slash 22. Also, don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to euchromedia.com slash community. We have well over 2,000 people in this group. It's a great resource for those of you trying to grow. And it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of Taker Media Podcast. Bye-bye.